0: I hope I never will be a stranger to you, brethren. I've uh, been here too long. I am so happy to be back. But do you remember how I ended my last sermon a few weeks ago? It was on Mount Carmel. And I promise that when I come back, I finish. Because what follows Mount Carmel is as exciting, as important, as what happened at Mount Carmel. In fact, Mount Carmel, or the miracle at Mount Carmel, is repeated more than once. We must learn the principle... Of that event, uh, but before I do that, I'm coming back to Mount Carmel. I like to make a short divergence to current issues because it's related to the topic. The Archbishop of San Francisco sent House Speaker Pelosi a private letter in April warning her that he would bar her from communion unless she publicly repudiated her support of Abortion. And now, another letter was issued, banning her, denying her communion service. Now brethren, thank you so much. Bring it brother, I need it. Communion, or as officially told, the Eucharist, is a center dogma of the Roman Catholic Church. If you pick up a catechism, Roman Catholic catechism, it's printed all capital, signifying it's very important. All the other rituals cluster around this. If you knock out the Eucharist, everything collapses. Now this was a big issue at the 16th century Reformation, brethren. And may I whisper it, but so that you hear it, it's still an issue. It's still an issue. There is a religious war going on here between true biblical religion and apostate religion. I know there is a war going on between Russia and the Ukraine. I am so tempted to get into politics, but I refuse. The pulpit is not the place to proclaim political conviction. I have strong conviction regarding that wa- war between the Ukraine and Russia. I have strong conviction. One side is guilty, other is innocent. But I am not telling you on whose side I am. Are you listening? So that I don't offend anybody. Because we are not Playing politics here, we proclaim the gospel. But let's come back to the Eucharist. You remember Henry VIII, King of England? The Pope declared him the defender of the faith, and Henry VIII wrote a study condemning Luther. But he had one problem, serious problem. Now, as you listen to me, please, I am not approaching this history from the political angle. I am approaching it from the theological controversy. You follow me? Henry VIII had a serious problem. He changed wife after wife after wife because they didn't give him, they didn't give him a son. And he needed a son. And ultimately he asked annulment from the Pope that, okay, please annul this marriage. This wife is always giving me a daughter. I have many daughters, no son. But the Pope denied the annulment. But Henry says, okay, if you deny, I turn Protestant. Now, brethren, that's not the right motive to change religion. Not a word of amen here. Where are you, brethren? I need your support. That's the way the Anglican Church was born. So, among the many children who inherited the throne by succession came Mary Stuart. She was a loyal Roman Catholic. And she was determined to restore the Roman church in England. We are still talking theology, not history, okay? History is just Byproduct. What was the issue in that called Bloody Mary? That was her nickname, Bloody Mary. The issue was the communion service, the transubstantiation. One question asked with the Archbishop, Bishops, prominent Protestants Do you accept the transubstantiation? If you did, you were free. If you didn't, you went to the stake. That's history, brother. Many people died, went to the stake, but they did not give up their Protestant conviction of the communion service. And the Archbishop of San Francisco simply asked the Speaker of the House to be a consistent Roman Catholic. Practice what we teach. I have so much to say today. I I probably won't be able to finish you have to remember, I started pretty close to 12.30, and I know that your patience is limited, but I try to be short, but if I cannot finish, you invite me back, all right? That's one way to get back. Not finish this <laughs> The archbishop says, no, we don't give you communion. Ha, there was a volunteer bishop that served her communion. Now, brethren, this is a denial of the faith, a Roman Catholic faith, but it is a denial of the faith to support abortion. Now, you heard... <clears throat> I'm coming back to Mount Carmel. Just give me a few more seconds. Okay? I'm coming back. You heard that uh, pretty soon the Supreme Court will, will review the 1973 decision. What was that decision? In 1973, They announced that in the Roe versus Wade controversy, abortion uh, abortion was legal. But what were the issues here? What were the issues? I'm not going into it, but i just give you one point so that you sense it. The issue was... Protestant interpretation or the Roman Catholic interpretation of when does the personhood begins? At conception or at birth? A very important issue. Very important issue. And you ought to know it brethren. You ought to know it what is the essence of this controversy because since a civil war You remember the civil war. You read about it. You were not old enough. You are not old enough to live through. But the nation has not been divided as much as it is divided today by the abortion issue. And it's coming up. It's coming up. Okay. She received communion. The archbishop complimented her too. You know, you know, when you play politics with religion, you run into trouble. Are you with me? When you play politics with religion, you run into trouble. And I just like to whisper that. A short time ago, I read an article where our General Conference President gently complained that we face very serious issues at this coming General Conference session, which will start in a few days, in a few days. I stop here. But I wanted you to sense that the political football that they are kicking around is really a theological question between biblical religion and apostate religion. When does the personhood? of an individual begin. In 1973, Protestant interpretation prevailed. Roman Catholic Church suffered a defeat, uh, a defeat. and they are still licking their wounds and try to remedy things. Now, let's come back to Mount Karma I better keep my word. It's correct. Uh, I admire the history that led to Mount Carmel, but I also admire the history that followed Mount Carmel. Now, you remember the essential story. Fire came down, Licked up the wood. The sacrifice burned up instantly. The stone, as the scripture says, even licked up the water. Everything consumed. The people fell on their faces, and what was their confession? The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But in the morning, what was Elijah's question when the nation was summoned to Mount Carmel? How long do you hold between your opinion? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, follow him. And the scripture says, they did not say a word. Are you with me? So, what is the essence of that event on Mount Carmel? Because that was not a single event. It is going to be repeated again. It was repeated and going to be repeated. What is the essence? The essence of that miracle is God gave an evidence that could not be denied are you with me but if you read the story I am rushing through it's first Kings chapter eighteen and you keep on reading I would recommend you read the story for yourself it is a fantastic story first kings chapter eighteen and none <coughs> When everything was over, the king ran home and told his wife all what has happened. And what do you think, what was the response of Jezebel? She should have fallen on her face and confessed that the God of Israel is the true God. Is that correct? Brethren, that's what she should have done. What what message did he, I mean, did she send to Elijah? As the gods, in plural, live, in 24 hours, I will do to you what you did to the priest. I will execute you. And I don't understand. I like to ask the Lord when we go to heaven, I will have many questions during the millennium that I will ask the Lord and the Lord, why did this happen? Why? Why? I don't understand. Just like in the Sabbath school class, I said, you know, I love my children. I love my grandchildren. But I am not assuming... Total responsibility for their evil character. And I asked the teacher, Pete, are you here? I said, say an amen. And he did say an amen. But I don't understand. I don't understand. So Elijah was running for his life. Inspiration tells us He should not have. Had he stood firm, the Lord would have saved him from Jezebel. But Jezebel killed many prophets. And Elijah wasn't sure that the Lord will allow Jezebel to kill him or not. So he was running. just like Jacob running. We discussed this in the Sabbath school. The beauty of God's character comes out when we fail. The beauty of God's character comes out when we fail. This poor man was running, exhausted, tired, hungry, thirsty, The Lord sends an angel with a cup of water and a piece of bread. He ate it, lay down again to rest. And uh, 24 hours later, the angel came back and gave him another cup of water, another piece of bread, because he says the journey is beyond your strength. And for 40 days and 40 nights, not eating, not drinking, Elijah was traveling. I like to... Please don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against me. But I wish that angel would come back and feed me too. I need strength. You know, I feel the years... This year, this week, we are moving. I am moving. All the work, getting rid of junks, loading on the trailer, taking it to the county dump, unloading and even paying for the county for it. But I am happy with the new apartment. I'm moving to Bay Village, Nice community, close to the lake. So I will just go out to the shore and enjoy the water. Amen. I will let you know my new address. But anyhow, Elijah was running and the Lord gave that thing and then finally the Lord says, Elijah, what are you doing? How the Lord revealed Himself to Elijah, just like to Moses, not in the earthquake, not in the tornado, not thundering, and no, in a still, little voice. And the Lord asks us today to recognize it. Still, little voice. We need to listen to it. We need to. It's a salvation issue. But in spite of his discouragement, ultimately he regained his courage, and Lord says, go back, and I commission you to make three anointings. Are you with me so far? Three anointings. Anoint Hazael as king over Syria. Anoint Jehu as king over Israel. And anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. And whomever the king of Syria does not kill, Jehu will kill. And whomever Jehu will not kill, Elisha will kill. Very strange prophecy. Uh, The prophecy about Jezebel was, of course, at that time that the dogs will eat Jezebel. Now, that's another fascinating story, how this prophecy came to pass. You can find that story, anointing story, 2 Kings chapter 9, 1, 2, 3, 4, and so on. 2 Kings chapter 9. Um, Let me just mention in a nutshell you can read it when you go home. Elisha sends a junior prophet who has not yet graduated. Now, who established the schools of the prophets? Samuel. Samuel established three. One was in Bethel where one of the golden calf was. So Samuel tried to counter-influence the apostasy by putting there a school of the prophets in the same city. So he gave the oil to this young junior student. He says, go to the city, and when you find the generals, invite Jehu to the inner room, And then anoint him and tell him, this is what the Lord tells you to do. So, the young man performs the anointing. But there is a little hint there that if we are attentive, we already sense that these men, these generals who used to be prominent in Akab's army were anything but spiritual. When they saw this little boy coming, they said, "What did this madman or why did this madman? Came. Do you follow? The prophets who came with the message was called a madman. Now the boy performed the anointing, and finally the generals demanded Jehu. Jehu told them. They blew the trumpet to announced that Jehu is king. Now, two kings were stationed in the city of Jezreel. Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, king of Judah. Jehu came to Jezreel and uh, just I'm not, I'm not going into detail, this is interesting. He just killed some both. He just killed some both. The Lord has anointed him to carry out the judgment of God. And he was a mighty man to do that. And then he comes to the city where Jezebel is. And it is interesting how the Bible says that Jezebel looks out through the window, lots of makeup. Can you imagine? Her husband is dead. And there is a rebellion. And she makes up, paints her face, and then finally addresses Jehu saying, Is it peace, Zimri, murderer of your master? Jehu does not argue with her, asks one question, Who is on my side? And there are three eunuchs in the window, and he just tells them, throw her down. They throw her down. The blood goes all over. But to make sure that she is dead, with his horse, he tramples her. Then goes in to eat and drink. I mean, it's rather cruel, isn't it? But... the measure you measure with, it is measured to you, brethren. That's the way she treated the prophets of God. And now the Lord paid her back. Then Jehu finally says, okay, she was a queen. Go out and try to bury her. But they tell him, then they come back. There is nothing to bury. The dogs have eaten. Only the skull and part of her hand. And then Jehu remembers the prophecy. What Elijah said many years ago. Then <clears throat> he sends to Samaria where Seventy, seventy of uh, Ahab's sons are raised. And he sends a message as a good politician. He says, okay, choose the best, set him on the throne, and let him fight for the house of Ahab. And the counselor says, two kings couldn't stand against him. We have no chance. We are not going to set up a new king. And I said to Jehu, whatever you ask, we will do. Again, the carnality of Jehu, uh, I'm sorry to say, but this comes through over and over and over again. He says, okay, if you are with me, behead All the 70 boys bring their heads to the city gate, put half on one side of the gate, the other half on the other side of the gate. What a sight! 70 skulls divided thirty-five, thirty-five. 35 He meets Jehonadab, And he tells him, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. You remember, Jehu proclaimed a feast to Baal. By deception. By deception. Invited all the worshipers. And then they gathered together. He said, 80 soldiers at the gate, and he told them, if you let one man escape, you will have to pay with your life. So, as as the people were coming out, the soldiers killed everybody. Uh, Let's go to second kings and i like to read this because this is so important second kings 10 if you have your bible with you second kings 10 verse 30 second kings chapter 10 verse 30 And the Lord said to Jehu, because you have done well in doing what is right in my sight and have done to the house of Ahab all that was in my heart, your sons shall sit on the throne of Israel to the fourth generation. Now brethren, if the biography ended here, uh, would be alright. But the biography does not end that way. It's a sad picture. Let me read the next verse. The next verse. But Jehu took, verse 31, Jehu took no heed to walk in the law of the Lord the God of Israel, with all his heart. For he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, who made Israel sin. So, Jehu will not be saved. If you read carefully... Revelation 21.8 it says who will be outside of the city will not receive entrance no permit to enter the city but he says the cowardly the unbelieving the abominable the murderers sexually immorals the sorcerers the idolaters all liars will be in the lake of fire. And then 20 to 15, but outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immorals, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Jehu did not turn from worshiping the golden calves. There is a statement that I was shocked when I read first, but it's interesting. Sin to be fully revealed, sin has to fully develop. Sin has to be fully revealed, first has to fully develop. Let me give you an illustration, and it's 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 a shocking illustration. You remember when Absalom rebelled against his father, and uh, Ahitophel, the wisest man in Israel, joined the rebellion. And what was David's prayer? Lord, defeat the advice of Ahithophel. Because the scripture says that all his advices were taken as if from the Lord. But what was the statement I said? Sin to be fully understood has to be fully developed. Now, David sent one of his friends, intimate friends, to join Absalom in pretense to work counter to Ahitophel's advice. You remember the story, I'm not telling you anything new. What was Ahitophel's First advice, brethren. What was his first advice? He said, if you want to strengthen your hand before the people, take the wives of David, your father, set them up on the wall, and go in and sleep with them or have intercourse with them so that there would be no reconciliation between father and son. And Absalom followed it. Absalom followed it to keep them from reconciliation. Because in the past, there were conflict between the father and the son. I'm speaking about David and Absalom. And reconciliation. In fact, Joab was one who help to reconcile son and father. But Ahitophel says, no, no. And there was no reconciliation available. Now, brethren, this is a theological issue today. There is only one way of reconciliation, and that's only through the Son. And if we do not follow the advice of the Son, there is no reconciliation, no salvation. May the Lord help us. I don't want to be a Jehu. I don't want to be a Jehu of whom it is said, oh, because you done what I ask you to do, four generation of your children will sit on the throne. Four generation of my children, grandchildren, great grandchildren will be prominent church members. Prominent church members. Do you listen? I want them to be fully committed church members. Fully committed. And I am asking you to consider because the issue is still in front of us. When does personhood Begins at conception or at birth. Protestant interpretation at birth. Roman Catholic interpretation at conception. That was the issue in 1973 where the Supreme Court made the decision. And they just may reverse that decision. Let us not fight like Jehu. I want to be an individual who plays no politics with religion. Are you with me? No politics with religion. I like to follow the Lord, do what he asks me to do, regardless of the consequences. Amen? regardless of the country, May the Lord help us. Thank you for your patience. I started late. I finished late. I didn't say everything. Well, you will invite me back, okay? Thank you.